Hello, everyone, and welcome to Honestly Booked. I'm your host, Ariel, on Instagram under at Are You Ready to Read with four eyes. And I'm your host, Rachel, on Instagram under at Paperbacks and Sketchbooks. This is a conversational podcast devoted to books, all thing books with no genre discrimination. We hope with this podcast, we will expand your TBR. To get updates on our show, you can follow us on Instagram at Honestly Booked and like us on Facebook. You can also follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us get our podcast out there. Hello, readers. I know it's been a minute, but welcome to episode 37 of Honestly Booked here, the first episode of the new year. Happy 2024, Rachel. And we also have special guest Travis on today again. Hello. Happy 2024. I'm very excited to be in 2024. I always love the new year. It feels like a fresh start, especially with my reading and my goals and everything. Like, I I just love the feeling. I agree. But... I've already messed up like three times at work with putting 2023 on things still. So it's going to take me a while. It's definitely an adjustment. Are you quick with that? Uh, Yeah, for the most part. Like I have a calendar and I can see that it says 2024. (laughs) Okay, you know what? (laughs) Maybe it's just a a accounting thing. You know, my fingers just move to 2023, but whatever, I'll get over it. So I know we've been gone for a minute. We've had, you know, the holidays, some personal stuff going on. No bad stuff, just good stuff. You know, getting through Christmas, New Year's. We just had to get through some holidays. And now we are back. And our first episode is going to be this episode, which is our top five reads of 2023. I am super excited for this one. It wasn't too hard for me to figure out my top ones. I do chart throughout the year each month, like my ratings. So when I go at the end of the year, I go and I look back at each month and I'm like, oh, okay, this was a good five star, but this one was better. You know, how do you do it, Rachel and Travis? Well, I usually just scroll through my Goodreads or my Storygraph and I look at all the books that I gave five stars and then I sort of just kind of read through all my reviews for them to see which ones of them I remember the best still even if it's been so long since I read them and that's pretty much how I gauge what my top books were if they stuck with me or not. On Instagram, I also try to do the bracket tracker kind of thing that a lot of people do. And, you know, looking back, that's not really accurate because the more I think about it as the year goes on, the more I'm like, I wish I chose a different book for that. Wait, I do have a question though with what you just said, because you say you think about the books based on like how they stick with you. Now, does that mean that look have you have to look back or tell me like have you not had any from like January and February and maybe even March like make your top five reads ever if they don't stick with you or you know it kind of feels like something you read in the beginning of the year might not have be a contender for the top five well I mean actually this year I have two books that I read in February that are in my top five okay okay so it just it depends like some books I really remember super well no matter how how long ago I read them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I have some from like 2020 and even before then that I remember that I'm like, those would be my, if I was doing my top five of forever reading, those would be it. Unfortunately, I started this year off terribly. Um, I had two DNFs back to back. One of them, I cannot say on here the reason why, because it's graphic. And the other one, it just, I don't know. It, I, it wasn't, it wasn't really piquing my interest. So, but I am 
still sticking to my challenges, which we'll get into on a different episode. So I'm happy about that. But this year hasn't started off that great. Has your year started off good? Yeah, you know what? I'll jump in there. 2024 has been good so far. Well, at least the first read was really good. I started off with uh, Unraveling Oliver, which is by Liz Nugent. She may be making an appearance in my top five of 2023. So I figured it was a good time to kind of kick things off with a bang. And so my first uh, read of the year was a five star. And unfortunately, the follow up uh, has not been not been so great. Oh, no. I hate when that happens. Yeah, it's like the worst case of book hangover that um, that I've seen, had in a long time. My year so far has been pretty good. I've already had a five-star read, but it was a memoir, so it doesn't really count. Okay, you know what? Screw you guys. What? We've had a great year so far. Both of you having five-star reads over here and then me having like two <laughs> DNFs. I'm like, do I even want... I'm like looking at myself in the mirror. Do I even want to read anymore? <laughs> like, come on. Oh my God. But yeah, I've had... um. I had a four and a half star, a five star, a four star. I did have a three and a half star, but I don't necessarily count that as a bad thing. Everything that I've read so far this year, I I think has been good. I haven't really had too many complaints about them. So we're, we're off to a good start and I hope that it stays this way. How many books have you read this year, Rachel? You sound, you sound like Ariel. How many books have you I... read? I've only I have I haven't even I've read one book one book so she's way ahead you guys are both way ahead of me I have read four that's a that's a good that's a good start uh, yeah, that's a good pace because that's like a book every day and a half so far yeah I mean honestly I don't know how I'm doing it though because I, so I work from home and work has been really busy for me and I really haven't been reading during the workday at all this has all been after work on the weekends. And there's only been like one weekend of 2024 so far. So <laughs> I'm doing nothing but reading. I am 100% the opposite, unfortunately, not by choice. Well, you have a good reason. Yeah, family stuff. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our top five books of 2023. We'll go ahead and start with our fifth top book, top fifth book. I'll go ahead and start because my top fifth book is actually a tie between two books. Both of these books, they were like, it was really hard for me to not have both of these books in the top five. So when I was thinking of my top five books, I was like, I really like these two, but I can't not have them in my top five. So I'm going to tie them. And the first book is In Every Mirror She's Black by Lola Akinmade Ackerstam. Now, this was a book that was told from three different African-American women trying to make a way for themselves and their life in Sweden. So you have Kemi. She's the marketing executive and the best marketing executive in all of America living in Washington, D.C., but she's very unhappy in her love life. She can never find what she wanted in man. And when she was headhunted by a company from Sweden, she's brought to Sweden and immediately feels like it's just not right for her. Like something isn't right and nothing's going her way in Sweden. And one of the quotes from the book that I absolutely love is that she felt as if Stockholm tricked her and seduced her with its beauty and then turned into an ugly monster in front of her. Then you have Brittany Ray. Now, Brittany is a former model turned flight attendant who's just minding her business, living with her long-term boyfriend and slightly unhappy when an extremely wealthy man joins one of her flights and develops an extreme and possibly obsessive desire for her. She isn't quite sure if it's healthy or if it's what she's want, but 
Is she willing to change her whole life and move to Sweden for him? And then last, you have Muna. Now, Muna is a Somali immigrant seeking asylum in Sweden, and she's waiting for her citizenship to pass. She deals with the hardships every day of that. She's struggling to fit in as a Somali woman in Sweden. She gets a job cleaning toilets, but is she happy? So the author did such an amazing job with this book of writing three separate but beautifully intertwined stories from three very strong women that were kind of um, all going through different things in their lives. This book I read in March, so it was in the beginning of the year. It still to this day is like sat with me. And her neck, her sequel to this book, it actually came out in October. And that was um, a book that Rachel had actually gave to me called Everything is Not Enough. And I haven't read it yet, but it is literally sitting on my nightstand and I am so excited to read it. That was one of my contenders for number five in Every Mirror She's Black. My other contender for number five was called The Displacements by Bruce Holsinger. I was so surprised I liked this book. Now, the only reason I picked this book up because I don't, I didn't see it around much. There wasn't much talk about it. Very few ratings and reviews. But I loved his other book that I read for one of our challenge episodes back in 2023 or no, 2022 or whatever. And I loved his book so much that I was like, I want to read another book by him. And I did. And it was so good. There was so many points of views, very complex characters, excellent character development. And it was about pretty much a category six hurricane coming in, hitting this town and everyone getting displaced and kind of, you know how they dealt with it, what happened. It was such a good book. Both of these books were really good character development books, not heavy on plot, They were, but they were heavy on character development. And that was The Displacements by Bruce Holsinger. Those were my two tied for five. Fifth place. Those both sound really good. Dude, I would, if I could, I would reread them. Not gonna lie. I love that feeling when you finish a book and you're already like, I want to reread this. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I've heard that before. So I've got the displacements on my TBR. I think Ariel, you recommended that one a while back. Yeah, that one you would definitely like, especially if you like weather or not weather, but climate stories, you know, like not about like climate change specifically, but I'm talking about like climate apocalyptic stories, which you don't see often. This was a good one. Another one that's like another climate kind of story if you like that kind of thing was that zero uh zero days one. Oh. i didn't love that book but it was kind of the same like something's happening apocalyptic climate you know and how everyone reacts but yeah i definitely think travis would like this book i don't know about you though rachel because it's a little heavy on the character development i've been getting more into like really character driven stories recently i've been thinking that they're a lot of fun so who knows? Maybe. You just have to remember when you go into a character development, sto- when a story that's mostly character development, you have to remember, okay, don't worry about the plot and what's going to happen and, you know, stuff like that. Travis, what is your fifth top book of 2023? Okay, my top five, my number five book of the year. This was a book that was recommended by a handful of people. And I think both of you from uh, Honestly Book had recommended it but it ended up being shark heart by emily haybeck so this is an interesting book when you first hear about it and i think that i'm probably not the only person to make fun of it relentlessly needless to say when you mentioned that you were reading it for a book club it sounds 
ridiculous, but in actuality, it's it's incredible. Uh, a few weeks after L- Lewis and Ren's wedding, Lewis receives a rare diagnosis. He will retain most of his consciousness, memories, and intellect, but his physical body will gradually turn into a great white shark. Woven throughout this bold novel is the story of Ren's mother, Angela, who becomes pregnant with Ren at 15 in an abusive relationship amidst her parents' crumbling marriage. In the present, all of Ren's grief eventually collides, and she is forced to make an impossible choice. This book is just remarkably beautiful. It is very big on character development. The backstories are, they're just second to none. I want to make a disclaimer with this book, though, because something that has really been weighing heavy on my heart with this book is that I've seen a lot of negative reviews from people who read it on audio. This is not a book to be read on audio. This is a book you need to look at the pages. You need to see it with your eyes. To listen to it with your ears, it does not do it any justice. And I'm sure both of you on this who have read it can back me up on that. If I would have listened to this on audio, I would not have liked this book. I can agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know, I think the thing about this book is that it was marketed wrong. And I mean, who am I to say that but I, I feel like they marketed it very seriously like it's shark heart a love story but in reality it's very funny and it's dark and there is a love story but it's very sweet it's not like a typical romance and I the comparison that I make is to eternal sunshine of the spotless mind like it's very clever and dark and quirky and not hallmarky you know, and that's the big thing for me is that I thought it was going to be like a Hallmark movie going in, but it's actually so much more intelligent than that. I do have to say, I give you props for, <laughs> I remember reading it and I knew immediately that you would like it. I'm speaking to you specifically, Travis, because Rachel had already read it, but I knew you would like it. And I was like, I have to convince this man to read this book about a man turning into a shark and a woman pregnant with twin birds and like i know he's gonna think i'm crazy for saying this book is so good but it was (laughs) so i had to convince man i'm i glad you read that yeah no it was very it was very emotional and even just hearing you know hearing that i i feel bad because i feel like everybody that i've recommended it to i give that disclaimer like oh it sounds a bit funny but but give it a chance and honestly like it was just it was very emotional, very touching. It earned all of it. It was, yeah, incredible. Number five book of the year for me. What about you, Rachel? What was your number five? First off, I got to say, Shark Heart was fantastic. And I think the three of us on here right now can all say that everybody needs to read it with their eyes, not their ears. Dude, yes, no. <laughs> this should not have even been made into an audio. But I do, I am curious. I, wanted to, I, I do want to listen to it, though. You should. You should definitely listen to it. Anyways. My fifth top book of the year, my number five book, was The Woman with the Cure by Lynn Cullen. This book is about Dr. Dorothy Horstman, who is working with, I guess not with, but alongside a bunch of male scientists in the 1940s and 50s in America to figure out a cure for the polio virus. So back in the day, polio is like everyone is so scared of it. It's a pandemic. It's awful. Like if you get this disease, it is debilitating. It paralyzes the victims and it is 
targeting children, really. All of these scientists are racing to find the cure. And it was a huge thing back then. It was so documented everywhere. But nobody really knew about Dr. Dorothy Horstman because she was a woman. And women in 1940s and 50s America, if you were in STEM, if you were in the sciences or mathematics or anything, you were not credited for your work. So she goes on and she works on it. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything because her story is so amazing. But she plays a big role in finding a cure for the polio virus. So I really love this book. And actually going back and looking at my review for it, I actually said in it, this is one of the best books I've read so far this year. And that was in May of 2023. And this has stuck with me for that long. I loved this book. Lynn Collins' writing was fantastic. It was easy to understand, but at the same time, it was very sophisticated. And I just love that she took this person, this real person, Dr. Dorothy Horseman, and she created a fictional story of her life without knowing so much about her. Like everything that happens within this book is based on real events, but it is not actually what happened in Dr. Dorothy Horstman's actual life. So, I mean, it is historical fiction. Obviously, that is what the genre is, but I just thought it was really cool how she made her story seem so real when most of what she was writing was fictional. So this is definitely like one of the top historical fiction books I've ever read. And it obviously made a list on my top five books of 2023. I love that. So I just want to tell you, Rachel, I checked this out from the library and it's sitting on my shelf. Oh, it's so good. I really think you'll like it because it definitely does have that strong female character. Awesome. Okay, so those are some good number fives. For number four, I have a book that I had been looking forward to reading for quite a quite some time and it was actually a nominee for the best debut novel for 2023. I had quite a few books that I really liked on the Goodreads Choice Award charts that didn't end up winning. Disappointed by that, but whatever. This is The Bandit Queens by Prani Shroff. Now this book was so good. Okay, so this book had Oh my gosh, it just had so much humor and wit and it was like, had a mystery and there was just, it, it was so good. So it's about Gita and Gita's no good husband had disappeared five years ago. She did not kill him, but everyone thought she did. But she soon discovers that being known as a self-made widow has some perks. No one messes with her, no one threatens her, and no one tries to control her. It's even been good for her business. No one wants to risk getting on the bad side by not buying her jewelry. It must look good on her because other women in the village start coming to her to ask how to get rid of their no good husbands but not all of them are asking nicely Gita's reputation kind of becomes a double-edged sword and she must decide how far she wants to go to protect it along with the life she's built but even the best laid plans tend to go awry 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 whatever that word is awry oh awry <laughs> awry is that how you say it I've always been pronouncing it awry me too <laughs> I guess we just don't know how to pronounce words on Honestly Booked. <laughs> really? For reals. So this book pulled on every single emotion. You are, I was la like, you know when people say, oh, laugh out loud, blah, blah, blah. This book is laugh out loud. It's, and it never is. This book had me cracking up 
Like I was cracking up. I was like, oh my God. But it also had me crying. So so it pulled on like my heartstrings, but it also made me laugh. And then it had such a good story, underlying story deep down. And it was one of those characters where in the beginning, it had such a good character arc because in the beginning you hate this girl. You're like, oh my God, she's so annoying and like whatever. But the character arc was so strong in this book. I read this one in June and that was The Bandit Queens by Perini Shroff. And I do think Travis would really like this one. I'll have to check it out. Uh, th- the name sounds familiar and I can almost picture the cover, but I definitely haven't, uh, haven't read it yet. What was your fourth book? My number four. Uh, of this year. I don't think you guys enjoyed this one quite as much as I did, uh, but for me, it was None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. So this one just, I think it hit me at the right time. I don't remember what I read before, but Lisa Jewell is always a great palate cleanser. She, she just has fantastic, effortless writing. You know, everything that I've read by her, whether it's a three star or a five star, it's just easy to sink into. So this one really uh, stuck with me, and it's a cool new media kind of story so celebrating her 45th birthday at her local pub a popular podcaster alex summers crosses paths with an unassuming woman called josie fair josie it turns out is also celebrating her 45th birthday they are in fact birthday twins but as quickly as she arrived josie disappears and only then does alex discover that josie has left a terrible and terrifying legacy in her wake and that Alex has become the subject of her own true crime podcast with her life and her family's lives under mortal threat. Who is Josie Fair and what has she done? So this book had me just transfixed. I thought the storytelling was very crisp and of all the books that I've read, uh, especially in 2023, I thought it did a good job mixing in that new media. It talked a lot about Netflix, talked a lot about podcasting. I know Ariel, you really liked uh, Dark Corners by Megan Golden and I hated it more than anything and that was also about you know podcasting and influencers but this one uh, really worked for me and I think it played around with the idea or the unreliable narrator trope but it prepared you for it in advance so I feel like you're proactively questioning things but you knew that something was awry awry but I loved it I thought it was awesome I finished it in you know maybe a day and a half and just couldn't couldn't put it down so Lisa Jewell is always great but this one in particular stood out for me this year so none of this is true I thought was okay like I did find myself flying through the pages at one point but the ending of it made me so mad like I do not like endings like that at all this is where you monetize the podcast tell people to go out and grab a copy today so that they can decide for themselves (laughs) I wish I would say none of this is true though was a solid book I still really enjoyed it what about you what was your number four this year Rachel my number four book of 2023 was happy place by Emily Henry There was just something about this book that I loved so much. I found myself just wanting to sit and read this book all day long. This book follows Harriet and Wynne, and they were the perfect couple since they met in college. They broke up six months ago, and they still haven't told their best friends. 
So they find themselves still on this trip with their whole friend group in a main cottage. And, you know, they're just stuck with each other now. They have to be in the same place, even though they're broken up and trying to keep it a secret from everyone. So Harriet and Wynne are lying through their teeth while trying not to notice how desperately they still want each other because the cottage is for sale and this is the last week they'll all have together in this place. And they can't stand to break their friends' hearts, so they they play pretend. Harriet will be the driven surgical resident who never starts a fight and Wynn will be the laid-back charmer who never lets the cracks show. This book, I thought, was a really great spin on second chance romance. And usually I don't go for second chance romances. I think they're super cheesy. In my opinion, this book focused more on the friendship and the friend group as a whole rather than the couple. I really liked that. I thought it was really funny. I loved the banter. I loved the wit. And I'm... I definitely want to see if this is going to be Emily Henry's new sort of writing style because I adored it. I loved it. And it did not have all of the like spice that you typically get in a romance book like this. And I liked that. I liked that it did not focus on that. So this one was hands down five stars for me, obviously. And it was my fourth top book of 2023. Ariel, okay, I know you did not like Happy Place, but that's okay. So what was your third top book of 2023? I, I started to read Happy Place. You know, I might, just because of how you, like, you know, described it, I might pick it up again. It was paused on a DNF. I just wasn't at that place in time where I wanted those, like, witty banter kind of stuff, you know? I think I wanted more of a serious read at that time, and that was, yeah. yeah. But um, I do think it'll be a paused on a DNF. So my third book... This is the bronze book. This book was one I believe both of you have read. I know Rachel did, but I believe you have read it also, Travis. I'm not sure. And if you haven't, you need to. It's called The River We Remember by William Kent Kruger. Did you read this one? No, but you recommended it and it's on my list. I've heard it's very similar to Northwoods, which I loved. So I'll next, next book, I think. Uh, yes. Okay. So The River We Remember, William Kent Kruger. This is my first book by this author and it is not going to be my last. So this was a historical fiction mystery and it was so good. I did not expect it to be one of my top books of the year because the beginning kind of took me a little bit to get into. I think Rachel, you had the same, same thing. You were like, where are we going? <laughs> And this book is a hefty, almost 500 page book, but it was so good. So you have this small Minnesota town and it's told in 1958 that is rocked by the murder of its most powerful citizen. And because of that, there's an investigation and a murder investigation of the murder, which falls to Sheriff Brody Dern, who is a highly decorated war hero. Now, Sheriff Brody still carries the physical and emotional scars from his military service, and even before he gets the results back from the autopsy, rumors begin to circulate that the killer must be Noah Bluestone, a Native American World War II veteran also, who has recently returned to Joel with a Japanese wife. Suspicions and accusations mount, and the town teeters on the edge of more violence. Dern struggles not only to find the truth of Quinn's murder, but also to put demons from his past to rest. In Jewel, Minnesota in the 1958, in 1958 times, you have to remember Native Americans were not treated very well. While I did know that, I am not naive. I did not know 
it was as bad as it was. Books that teach me things about past, like how lessons in chemistry taught me how women were treated in the 50s. You know, books like uh, Take My Hand that showed how African-American women were treated in the 50s and 60s. Like books about America in not that long ago that teach me things always have a special place in my heart. And this was one of them. Now there was a beautifully done mystery woven in this along with a lot of, it was a lot of uh, Native American things I learned. There was just a lot of good things to this book and I devoured it. I love the way it was written. I loved how he had many different points of views with deep character development, all of them, and the mystery had me shocked. I did not expect the killer to be who it was. And I kind of like when books, when authors do that, when they have so many different people that you think it is, where you're just like, okay, I have no idea who did it. (laughs) And that was one of these books. So that was The River We Remember by William Kent Kruger. What was your third, your bronze book, Travis? Yeah, before number three, The River We Remember sounds awesome i've got it coming up yeah i've got it coming up soon okay getting on to the top three the number three my number three top read this year of all the books on my list and of all the books i read this year man this is probably the one that i am so eager to reread and i could see myself coming back to it for years to come it's called now is not the time to panic by kevin wilson and rachel when you made a comment earlier about your bracket i think that happened here where I had it and then all of a sudden at the end of the year it kind of popped back into my mind and reworked everything like it it just shot up the list the more and more I thought about it uh, towards the end of the year this one is a really cool coming of age story about uh, a 16 year old girl named Frankie Budge she's determined to make it through another sad boring summer in Coalfield Tennessee And she makes a friend named Zeke. He's a talented artist who is as lonely and awkward as she is. Romantic and creative sparks begin to fly when the two jointly make an unsigned poster and start hanging it around the town. Its unique catchphrase becomes unforgettable to anyone who sees it. The edge is a shantytown filled with gold seekers. We are fugitives and the law is skinny with hunger for us. And so that poster that they create and hang up all over town sort of sets off what they called the Coalfield Panic, which is a bit of a like an urban legend or a mystery that surrounds the town kind of from then on. Nobody knows where this came from. There's a lot of speculation that it's terrorists or Satanists. That was kind of the time frame the, you know, satanic panic was was relevant. And, you know, it it kind of spun out of control for these two kids. And years and years later we kind of catch up with with Frankie and Zeke and and see how it's impacted their lives this was just a very subtle story it's not there's not a lot of romance in it but it's you know the sparks are there but it's creative and it's unique and it makes me feel very nostalgic for those summers when you were a teenager I just enjoyed existing with these guys and spending time with them more than anything else like there's nothing earth shattering that happens in the book i just thought it was a a cool story uh it took its time to develop and i would have read thousands of pages about these guys so the number three for me now is not the time to panic i highly recommend that you 
pick it up and, and check it out. And it's very short too. Like it's a few hundred pages. It's easy to easy to finish it very quickly. But definitely um, one of the one of my favorites this year. I love that. And I love that you sort of rethought your whole top five just based on remembering that book again. Because I do that all the time when I look at my brackets again. I'm like, oh, maybe I would have changed that book. And then it just throws everything out of whack because then I start remembering all the other awesome books I read. I definitely, I definitely do the same thing as you. So my third top book of 2023 that gets the bronze medal is The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hill by Robert Dugoni. And this is a book I never would have picked up had it not been for the book club that Ariel and I are in, our just teeny little personal virtual book club. So this one was a very character-driven novel that followed Sam Hill, and he always saw the world through different eyes because he was born with red pupils and he was called Devil Boy or Sam Hill by his classmates. And the irony of this is that Sam Hill, the boy with red eyes, is a student at a Catholic school and his mother is a devout Catholic, his whole family is. And you can definitely see the juxtaposition between all of that throughout the novel. I loved the imagery. I loved the references and the metaphors and everything. This book was so beautifully written. I loved Robert Dugoni's writing so much. And this is definitely a book that made me think about a lot of stuff in my own personal life, which is why it earns a spot in my top five, because it was just so good. It made me think. I loved it so much. I'm not going to get so much into it because it's definitely one of those where you need to read it yourself to understand how good it is. And I don't usually do this, but I have to say everyone needs to read this book. I can go in circles all day saying I love this book so much because I really did. That is The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hill. I'm so glad that it made your year-end list. I remember you and Ariel talked about it. I think you reviewed it. It was probably a couple months ago, but just listening to the podcast, I, I added it to my TBR right away. So I've got it sitting on my Kindle, but it sounds super unique. And I'm glad that it made your your top 10, your top five and your top three. Like that's, that's awesome. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, this book, so good. Like I don't even have any other words to describe it other than it was amazing. So you just got to read it for yourself. But Ariel, I have to know what earns the silver medal. What is your second top book of the year? My silver medal book is a book that you have read, Travis. I don't think Rachel has read it. And I'm going to be so, so real. I vaguely, <laughs> I vaguely remember the plot of this one. I just remember it being so good. I do remember immediately as soon as I finished reading this book, going out and buying all of his other books, and they're just as good. But this book was called Locust Lane by Stephen Amidon. Now, this book is very under the radar. I haven't seen it much anywhere. So you have Emerson, Massachusetts, which is just like any other affluent New England suburb. But when a young woman is found dead in the nicest part of town, the powerful neighbors close ranks to keep their families safe. So Eden Perry's death kind of kicks off this investigation into three teenagers who are parting with her that night. Each of them is a suspect. We have Hannah, who's a sweet girl with an unstable history, Jack, the popular kid with a mean streak, and Christopher, 
the outsider desperate to fit in. Their parents, each with motivations of their own, only complicate the picture. They will do anything to protect their children, even at the other's expense. What's surprising about the fact that this made my silver book is the fact that it has three teenagers' point of views. If you know me, you know I cannot stand teenager points of views. So the fact that this book had three teenager points of views is insane that it got my top book. But this was such a me book. It was a slow burn. It was a deep dive into the backstories of all these characters and like why they are the way they are. His writing was just perfect. Every time I thought I knew where the book was going, I was wrong. (laughs) And this is also a really great take on suburban families that witness a tragedy and how they handle the situation because Rachel, you're not a parent, but as a parent, and Travis can speak to this, but as a parent, when, if your child needs your help, what's my prison number? That's all I need to know. (laughs) Like I will, I will do anything for my kids. So, and this was definitely a good look at that. I did love that aspect to it as well, but that was Locust Lane by Stephen Amidon. And I, yeah, I know Travis, I think you enjoyed it. I think you enjoyed it, right? Yeah, I, I read it and gave it five stars. It, like the the only thing that comes to my mind for Locust Lane is it's such a tight, well-written story. It feels like a the story that you've heard hundreds of times before, but it's it's written so well. Stephen Amidon was amazing. Great silver medal book for sure. You know, I actually do think Rachel would enjoy this one with knowing it's a slow burn. I really think she would enjoy this one because once you kind of get to that like 20% in and you're like, okay, I, I what's what's going to happen, you know, and you're trying to figure it out the whole time, I think she would like that. So maybe add this one to your TBR, Rachel, if you feel like it. Okay, I'll have to look it up. But yeah, maybe. What was your silver book, Travis? My number two silver medal book this year was Strange Sally Diamond by Liz Nugent. And I'm glad that I stuck with this book. I got rejected for the arc uh, early on in the year. And instead of spiting it, I stuck with it and I went back and and picked it up after it was published. And I'm glad that I did because it ended up being one one of the best books that I read this year. Sally Diamond cannot understand why what she did was so strange. She was only doing what her father told her to do, put him out with the rubbish when he died. Now Sally is the center of attention, not only from the hungry media and worried police, but also a sinister voice from her past. I adored this book. It was uh, a wild ride, and I loved absolutely every second of it. I have an Irish background, so a lot of the banter and language and writing that Liz Nugent uses, I I find extra meaning in it and I find it a little bit extra amusing. So uh, for me, just all the Irish-isms, it just reminds me of my family and my childhood. So I get a kick out of reading her books and, and reading those characters. But where this story goes it is completely unexpected. Even though I had requested the arc and I was very interested in reading this book, I didn't really read the synopsis I don't think I did a lot of research on it first I almost went in blind which is a good way to do it because it goes in a lot of unexpected directions and then the one thing that I wanted to mention is that I love stories that cover such a huge expanse in a person's life like this is what happened when they were a childhood and it checks in on them multiple times throughout the years and this one does that but not necessarily in a typical way or in the way that I would have expected. So really enjoyed this book. 
and especially the ending. I'm not sure if you guys were crazy about the ending, but I loved it. Uh, loved where it went and how things sort of were left for all of the characters, but definitely uh, made a splash for me. Really enjoyed it. Strange Sally Diamond. This was a good book to me too. I did like it, um, but I do have to disagree with you for once on the ending. Did not enjoy the ending that much. I'm not going to say why, obviously, <laughs> um, but yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I didn't hate it, but I wasn't the biggest fan. I know Rachel read this book too, right? I did. I read this book, but honestly, I do not remember what the ending was, so I cannot attest to if I liked it or not, but I really, really liked the book. I remember I liked it, yeah, but the book I don't was remember good. A whole lot of it. The book was good. It was a <laughs> solid book. If I would have, if we would have done top um, 25, it definitely would have been on there. So my silver medal book is The Sweet Spot by Amy Popel. Of course, it's an Amy Popel book. I love Amy Popel. So after I read The Sweet Spot in February of 2023, I actually put all of Amy Popel's books onto my TBR. She only has four, so it was easy. And I've gotten through The Sweet Spot plus two others of them. And I only have one left and I've been putting it off because I really just don't want her backlist to end. But she is writing a new book. She has posted on Instagram that her first draft of it has been finished. So I'm just waiting, waiting for maybe an arc to become available on NetGalley for this book. So... You know, we'll see. But Amy Popel, great author. Highly recommend checking out her books if you love quirky, quirky family-esque friendship sort of stories. So The Sweet Spot is a wise and joyful novel that celebrates love, hate, and all the glorious absurdity in between, according to the Goodreads blurb. So in the heart of Greenwich Village, three women form an accidental sorority when a baby belonging to exactly none of them lands on their collective doorstep. Now, this book reminded me of like a full house meets friends. It was a sitcom and a drama merged together into this one book. And each chapter kind of felt like a new episode. It was amazing. Like I flew through it. I ate it up. If it was a television show, I would binge it. It was so good. So every single character had a distinct personality and there was clear character development for all of them. It was fantastic. Even the absurd parts in this book, they weren't super absurd to me. But again, I know in real life, it would be like, what are you doing? But seeing it like written on a page, I was like, this is hysterical. It was hilarious. Everyone and everything in this book was connected to each other and connected to everything. And it was amazing. And Amy Popel's writing is just so unique, in my opinion. It's like sophisticated, but it's fun. Like I can tell that she has so much fun writing her books because like there hasn't been a book of hers that I've hated at all. All of them are amazing. They're quirky. They're funny. Oh yeah, I can attest to that. And there's always some deeper meaning behind it. Yeah. Like she adds that depth. Yep. And it's great. The Sweet Spot, amazing. If you like like the old 80s and 90s sitcoms and you also like dramas and you just love, I don't know, binge watching television, like The Sweet Spot is all of that but in a book. Highly recommend. But that was my silver medal book. I saw that you read that and that you really liked it. 
and I had picked up, I also heard you like the book Small Admissions. Yes. And listening to you talk about that on one of our podcast episodes, I actually requested it from the library. You know, didn't really expect much from it, but it ended up being, that was going to be like, if we did top 10, that would have been number seven or six for me. That one was so good too. It was so good. And what was good, like you said, is the deeper meaning and the character arcs, especially the main character, just watching yes. her grow and become the best version of herself. Those are the kind of romancy whatever kind of books that I can get behind you know but yeah so I'm really happy you like that um I haven't read that book yet but I am that's on my it's literally sitting on my shelf so (laughs) oh you're gonna love it I just know you will all right guys it's time for our gold place of winners I'm so excited I cannot wait to see what you guys have chosen. So mine, with no question in mind, didn't even have to think twice, my top book of the year, drumroll please, was Shark Heart by Emily Habeck. And I'm not going to talk much about it because, you know, Travis already did. Thanks. This book was so good. Now, I just want to say I was blown away by the fact it was a debut. I don't even know what to say about it because it was just such a good book. It was so unique, so amazing. And like, yes, as Travis said, it seems weird as all get out. But if you look deep into what the meaning is of the story, it's beautiful. So, and this is not a spoiler because it's obviously in the book, but someone told someone told me that she had said in an interview, to think about this as if the turning into a shark was someone passing away due to a um, chronic illness. When you put that, someone living with a chronic illness, when you put that perspective into your mind and see that, it's like, wow, okay. She really told, she really went there. You know, this is, that's awesome. Like you get grief, you really get that whole, how it feels to grieve someone. My heart like, oh, it was just, I am, I'm done talking about it. It was such a good book. And do not listen to this audiobook, please do not. If you're going to read this book, read it. You have to see it on the page. And that was my top book of the year, Shark Heart by Emily Hebeck. Travis, what was your top book? Top book for me this year? This is going way back, maybe February. So it stuck around the whole year. Uh, it is The Skeleton Key by Aaron Kelly. I think everybody knows I'm a, I'm a big Aaron Kelly fan, uh, but when putting the list together, still try to remain objective and, and be fair to everything that I've read this year. But I can honestly say just looking at how well the story is crafted and how all the different characters came together, all the different pieces came together, uh, it just stands apart from anything else. And that's saying something because it's actually a, complicated story when you start to break it down. Frank Churcher created a sensation. He wrote a book which started a treasure hunt that swept the nation. Years later, his family is still dealing with the aftermath and the fallout, both positive and negative. As the 50th anniversary of the publication approaches, the skeletons in his closet start to make their way back into the world. So it's hard to even explain this book, but imagine somebody writes a book and it kind of turns into like a pop culture. So imagine Harry Potter, except Harry Potter was interactive and there were things that you could look for around the world that would, you know, help you win prizes or you felt like you were part of a community. Um, That's, I think, the vibe that this is going for. It's something that everybody in the world was aware of and could try to take part in this treasure hunt. 
and the story is focused on Nell, who is the daughter of the author, and she's attacked as a child, deals with the trauma of that attack throughout her life, and how just invasive this story has become. The treasure hunters have made this pulp culture sensation all about them, so they don't give uh, any respect to the boundaries for her family, so her whole life she grows up with this kind of hanging over her head. And I think, I've already said it, but the main thing about this book is that it's just so well-constructed. It's really complex without being obtuse. It's one of those things that really stuck with me throughout the entire year. Can't rave enough about Erin Kelly, her writing, and uh, and the story. What about you, Rachel? What was your number one? My top book of the year is How the Penguins Saved Veronica by Hazel Pryor. So this one is a book I also never would have picked up had it not been for the Book Girls Guide challenges. So this one was so funny, but so sad. So How the Penguins Saved Veronica follows 85-year-old Veronica McCready, and she's estranged from her family, but she wants to find a worthwhile cause to leave her fortune to. So when she sees a documentary about penguins being studied in Antarctica, she tells the scientists that she's coming to visit and won't take no for an answer. So shortly after arriving, she convinces the reluctant team to rescue an orphaned baby penguin, and he becomes part of life at the base, and Veronica's closed heart starts to open. So then her grandson Patrick comes to Antarctica to make one last attempt to get to know his grandmother. And together, Veronica, Patrick, and the scientists learn what family, love, and connection are all about. I thought this book was a beautiful blend of happy and sad and past and present because it does flip-flop sort of back and forth from the present day to the past, which is told through journal entries that Veronica had written during wartime in England. So I thought that it it gave it a nice touch and it gave it deeper meaning and it was just absolutely amazing. I think about this book at least like once a week. It was so good. I still have it on my shelf. I bought it off of Pango. Surprisingly, someone had it on there because I couldn't find this book anywhere else. It was so hard to find in the US because Hazel Pryor is a British author and I loved it. And there's a sequel to this apparently that I really need to read. But again, I can't find it anywhere unless I buy it off of Amazon. So we'll see if I ever get around to reading that. I really want to this year. I might just bite the bullet and buy it. But How the Penguins Save Veronica, absolutely hysterical, but also heartbreaking at the same time, but also very wholesome. It's just a mix of everything. It was amazing. I loved it. I completely empathize with you trying to find British authors like in Canada here as well. It's yeah. so <laughs> difficult to track them down. Like you can get them at chapters or yeah, like you said, Amazon, but trying to find them in local bookstores or used bookstores it's it's almost impossible so i empathize yeah it's it's been hard trying to find the next book um i keep looking at pango every so often which is a book buying and selling app just to see if someone somehow has this book for me to purchase but so far no luck but i will find it one day and i will read it and it will be amazing 
So I think we all had some pretty awesome top five books of 2023. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. There's a lot of recommendations that I have written down on the side, a lot more that I've added to my TBR, and uh, a lot that were pleasant surprises, nice things that I have read and did enjoy uh, myself. So it's cool to see that we have some of the same tastes and um, certainly nice to get some of those recommendations as well. What do you think about 2024, just after the year we just had? This was certainly the, the year that I have read the most books, um, that I have and, and I think the most five-star reads so I feel like I set the bar really high for myself heading into 2024 I, I don't know if I can top last year what do you think about that yeah last year was such a good reading year for me and it was the first year that I really got back into reading after not picking up a book for like maybe a couple years and I had so much fun finding all these different authors and all these great reads and all these new genres that I would have never really dove into otherwise. Um, so I'm excited for this year and I I have a good feeling that it's not maybe not going to be as good as 2023, but there are some new releases coming out this year that I'm stoked for. So I, I'm hoping this is a good reading year. I have high hopes to say the least. Yes, this year was great. Good reading year almost got I think I got 210 books read Woo! that's a lot of books but I'm excited to see what 2024 holds me and too I'm hoping I'm hoping that we can all chat again soon about our maybe our mid-year books and how it's going yes definitely it'd be great to have a follow-up what goals do you guys all have for 2024 I'm gonna stick to 200 again I know I'm probably not gonna make it this year but I'm gonna try for a numerical goal, I'm sticking with 100. I started with 100 last year, but I read 154 last year. But I don't want to set the bar too high because I definitely want to take more time this year to actually soak in the books instead of trying to meet my numerical goal. So I'm, I'm sticking with 100. Yeah, I went with 50 this year. I feel like I smashed that quite a bit last year I, I hit 80 by the end of the year which for me is is high that's probably nothing compared to the both of you ridiculous readers but I just uh, started a new job and uh, the time that I have to devote to reading uh, with my commute has been drastically reduced so um, hopefully I'll surpass 50 and uh, end up revising my goal towards the end of the year but I wanted to start conservative and make sure that I was in the realm of possibility so I'm at 50 for my goal this year I think that's a great goal quality over quantity is the motto of 2024 exactly all right y'all I am out of here I am glad to hear about all your top reads I've got a few added to my TBR from both of you and I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your night and as always happy reading Happy reading. Happy reading, guys.